Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to episode number 315 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is April 7th, 2014. Got a big show for you this week on the podcast. Lots of questions to get to. Dan Weber coming up later on. Coach Harvey Hyde's the first segment. For your questions, always send them in. Podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email address. Or leave us a voicemail, 206-888-6755. Keep it to a minute if you can. Otherwise, we're not going to play it on the show. Or go to peristylepodcast.com. You can play the recorded voicemail right there on our podcast website. All right, well, let's jump in with Coach Harvey Hyde. What's going on, Coach? How are you doing? Well, it's a beautiful day. It's Monday. We had a great day Saturday, uh, as you explained on your podcast there from the field. Swimmeth Mike, great football, great weather, great uh, Final Four weekend. Can't be much better, Ryan. It's a lot. There's a lot going on right now, and uh, USC still got a couple more weeks of spring football. We're going to get to your questions. I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website, or you can call them at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for anything. we got baseball season coming up, too, going on right now, so you can check out the Dodgers, the Angels, or wherever you are. SCTickets.com can uh, help you out. And Coach, I think we just want to jump into these kind of questions uh, and just start talking about the team and, and and see where it goes from there, if that's cool with you. It's cool with me, buddy. All right. Well, Melvin's going to start off with him. He wants to know about the linebacking core. Uh, he says, are they improved enough and fast enough to help stop running quarterbacks like Hunley or Golson? Or is it, is it move with the defensive coordinator coming up with the scheme? Is that going to help stop the running quarterbacks as well? So he wants to know about the linebackers and the scheme. Can it help stop running quarterbacks? Well, I think it's a combination of, of both. You have to have, first of all, the scheme, and then you have to have the athletes to perform that scheme. And I think right now they do have that. They uh, face themselves uh, on this type of offense daily. Remember in the past uh, when they went against uh, Lane Kiffin's offense, they never did have an opportunity, and I used to talk about all the time, that they should be working on that type of offense in the spring too, so it's not something new to them in the fall because most of the teams now that they play are running this type of offense. USC's offense is a little bit different because they don't run their quarterback, and I don't believe I've seen the quarterback carry the ball once on the fake run keep uh, this entire spring, at least on a Saturday. Ryan, you may have seen it, uh, but I have not seen the play action. uh, Oh, I've seen the play action pass, but but the option off of uh, the run. So they're probably not planning on doing it, but these guys – uh, are maybe not the most nimble uh, as far as some of these other guys that are running, but I think they run well enough that you're going to see it in the fall occasionally. I really believe that. So, uh, yeah, I think the linebackers uh, are faster than they've ever been before. I think they're very good athletes. Quentin Powell, I watch him run all over the field. You've got, of course, uh, Pollard in the middle. What a great leader he is and a captain. He loves the game of football. Powell and, Powell and I'll tell you, Powell Hutchings, and uh, Star and uh, uh, these guys, Jabari uh, Ruffin, Pollard, uh, th- they like football. When you watch them out there, they love football. They like to get back on the field. They really don't like coming out 
and taking a rest. These guys really like football out there. And remember, in the fall, you're going to have J.R. Tavai out there, who's a heck of a player. So I really think that the linebacker core is the type of athlete that can can play this type of uh, offense, at least a lot better than what the schemes were and the athletes were as far as having to make changes. Remember, you don't have Lamar Dawson out there either, and he's uh, going to have to pick up his pace to be ahead of Hutchings or uh, Pollard. So, uh, and Serraro, I think he's doing a good job out there. He's a tough guy. I mean, is a tough guy. He can play inside, which I like, in a 34s look or a 50 look, and he likes to plug and come up there and stip, uh, stick his head in there and make tackles. So I think they have a good linebacker core, and they've got some good freshman linebackers that are coming in, I think, outside help and so on that can help them a lot. So I don't think there's a problem with the linebacker core. I think the scheme is something that Wilcox has seen, and I think that it's something that this team is having a chance to work on this spring. And, uh, you know, you're not going to see it uh, from this team in practice, the great athlete quarterback, but I think in the fall, they'll utilize Green as far as allowing him to run the ball and run the scout team. Not that he deserves to do that, because I think he's done a great job out there. But you've got to have someone be the guy who's the uh, other guy from the other team. So you get realistic pictures of what you're going to face. All right. Uh, thanks for that, Melvin. Let's see. Jeff had a question for you, Coach. And he said he was reviewing last year's Oregon State versus USC game. One of the better efforts, and he said what stood out was poor yardage for special teams. Always seemed to be fair catching punts, touchbacks on kickoffs, no real success at creating running lanes. Nelson Aguilar should have more chances to use his breakaway abilities, like the guy that used to wear number five, his name omitted, for obvious reasons. He's laughing there. Uh, How does the new coaching staff plan on improving in this area? What do you think, Coach? Well, you know, first of all, I, I said in the past, if, and I still say I thought they did too much and too many special teams uh, in, in the spring a, a year ago, in the fall. They took a lot of practice and working on special teams and became a little boring at times. Uh, I think one thing, too, that's happening this spring, and I think you see it at one of the first drills that they do, the opening of practice is where they send down their uh, sprint guys uh, to face a an offensive a blocker to help create a lane for a punt return or a kickoff return. That's that's where you get it. You've got to get their gunners who come down full speed, their fastest guy that forces the punt return guy to make a fair catch. you got to block him. you got to slow him down. And they spend, I would say, it looks as though, and I, and I don't look at the clock on the – I should possibly look at the clock that they have running. I would say they have a 10-minute drill in that almost every day as far as uh, slowing down the gunners uh, to create a, a lane for the back so they don't have to fair catch the football. So they're working on that. Uh, the field goal again on this uh, uh, Saturday, past Saturday, I saw the kickers kicking well again. I didn't see them kicking the entire practice. I think he made four straight, and the last one was from 48 yards, which is fantastic. I think they still have their, 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 their legs. Their legs aren't kicked out. Uh, they do a little punting, but I don't see them doing a lot of punting. Uh, I haven't seen them, unless you have, Ryan, done full punt coverage or kickoff coverage or or kickoff return as far as during practice. Maybe they do that on a uh, Tuesday or a Thursday, but I haven't seen it on a Saturday. But uh, I think that, uh, you know, and another thing, I, I just want to mention this when you say Nelson Aguilar. They have other players 
who can do that. And I hate to see Nelson Aguilar be the guy that has to do it all. Not that he isn't great at it, but they have other athletes who can be just as good. You don't want to bang up or beat up your great players all the time on special teams. And I think in the past, Woods, Lee, they got banged up pretty good uh, on being used on every type of team. I even saw uh, Lee last year was at Woods rushing the passer on a or rushing the kicker on a punt team one year. <laughs> you remember that, yeah, Ryan? Uh huh. For sure. Yeah, I, I'm saying, what in the heck is going on when you put your guy in the game for that type of stuff? So. I think they're coming along that way, and we'll see just how it comes out in the fall. Hey, Coach, we have the, the few, we have a few other questions that don't necessarily deal with uh, USC spring ball specifically, so we're going to get to those in a second. But I thought, since you were out of practice on Saturday, if there was any other thoughts from, from what you've seen and comparing to what you saw at the last practice, any, any other kind of notes you wanted to share about USC spring practice? Well, they're at the halfway point now. And when you uh, listen to Coach Sarkeesian, he seems to be pleased with, with everything that's going on. Personally, I think uh, it's at a point now where the practices are starting to lose a little bit of their intensity. I think the people that are watching practice are getting a little bit boring because it seems to be the same thing over and over, which you have to do. And he says, what's that term he used? He believes in muscle muscle memory. memory. Yeah, Yeah, muscle memory, which I believe in 100%. Believe me, I believe in teaching on the field and not in the classroom. I I like that a lot. But I think you've got to pick up the pace a little bit here. They're running a lot of plays, which I think is good. But I think you've got to make it a little bit more hotter. What I mean by that, you've got to hit a little bit more. Remember, the game of football is a, a physical game. Uh, the defense, of course, has got to get used to hitting live targets. Uh, you talk about he says his running game is not what it should be. Then you should start to do more inside drills, outside drills with your receivers, doing a lot of stock blocking. Also, with uh, it, just the interior line actually running not one on one like you call bull in the you know the one on Oklahoma drill, but I'm talking about you know you tackle to tackle and run the ball in there, and occasionally you can run to keep just to, to keep them on us, and and be able to do that. You've got to improve that because you got to become tougher to run the football. Your offensive line have to become tougher to run the football. And when you look at the offensive line, I think it really does miss Walker, and I think it really does miss, miss Jordan Simmons. I, I'm not saying the kids out there aren't doing a great job, but I tell you, those guys better come back ready to play. They've had a spring off. They've got to come back, and you've got to get the right combination of your five, off, off five offensive line. I, I would say right now when you look at that, I would say that's the biggest question mark on USC's total team is the offensive line and what combination and who's going to play where. I like uh, Banner at right tackle, as I mentioned, but we've got to fill it. I like Turk at, at center. Wheeler's the left tackle. He had a starting year there. If he can bulk up a little bit better, he's got a lot of experience. But I think there's a lot of question marks in the offensive line. So I think you got to pick up the pace a little bit. you got to hit a little bit more. You certainly don't want to get people hurt. But the way you learn to play football is to become physical. And you've got to have a more physical type of practice there down the road. You're halfway through it. You haven't really had a real physical type of, you know, uh, 170 plays, 80 plays uh, where the players play themselves into into shape at the same time. Remember, you're getting shape by playing football. You don't run sprints. And if you notice their conditioning out there, there isn't any. Their conditioning out there is part of the game, uh, part of practice. Uh, so you've got to be able to go full speed, 
And that's the only way you learn how to hit a target. That's the only way you learn how to tackle is to play football. So I think they need to pick it up a little bit and, and, and go a little bit harder. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, I tell you one kid I want to mention, and Chris Wilson, number 19. He was number 19 on Saturday. Uh, Ryan, I don't know if I was standing next to you or whoever I was standing next to you. I, I like this kid. He's 6'6", 245 pounds. He's filling in there as a tight end now. I, I tell you, he's, I think he's going to be a heck of a player. He's big. He's strong. He can catch the football. He was a quarterback at one time, transferred in from Wake Forest. I think this kid's going to be a player and can add to uh, the offense as far as uh, USC is concerned. So I know there's other tight ends that are out there, but as a walk-on, this kid's playing way above the ability that I thought he could. All right. Uh, thanks for the thoughts there, Coach. We'll, we'll get to these last few questions. Um, let's see. Paul in Las Vegas, he goes, I'd like to hear Coach's opinion on how critical the reduced scholarship numbers are going to be for this next season. I totally understand that injuries are a critical consideration in this. And what, what are your thoughts, Coach? Well, you know, I like it better when you don't even talk about it. Uh, it's something that's there. It's something that's going to be there. Uh, Ed Orgeron brought that back. Lane Kiffin used to talk about it all the time. Poor me, poor us, poor everybody. We don't have the numbers. You know, you, what it is, what it is. And uh, you just have to suck it up. And if you if you if you if you got you don't have as many players as the other guys, well, you hope you don't have the injuries, and that's the only place that can hurt you if you get injuries. And you know, they can only put 11 guys on the field at one time, the way I understand the rules. So you know you get your guys out there and you play hard. If a guy goes down, someone's got to step up and get out there and do it. A lot of players this spring are getting turns because a lot of the uh, not varsity, but a lot of the starters are, are hurt. So they're improving in far, as far as learning the systems, the new systems, and, and how to play the game of football. So, you know, at USC, they've got some players, believe me, that would be scholarship players at other places that are walk-on. I just mentioned Wilson. How about that running back? What's his name, number 26? Uh, what's his name, uh, Ryan? Oh, the yeah, kid? one of the walk-ons. Huh? Sorry, I forget his name right now. Yo, he's, he's been looking really good, one of the walk-on tailbacks. Yeah, Tolan or somebody like that. Is that his name? Somebody like yeah. that who's from Indio. I mean, any other program, he's a scholarship athlete. In fact, Sarkeesian or somebody made notice of him on Saturday and said, I thought we had four running backs. We really have five. But, uh, you know, walk-ons at USC are better than some scholarship players at other programs because they have the pride and they want to be challenged and they want to go to USC and be a part of USC's program and say, I played football at USC. As you hear a lot of the recruits say, uh, I, I grew up being a Trojan fan. So, uh, you, yes, realistically, yes, you're down 10 uh, than what other people have. But if you got to play, you got to play at that level, and somebody's got to step up. and Got one more year of it, okay? One more year of it. So suck it up, get through it, and move <laughs> on. Nice. All right. Uh, here's one from Ted. said, recently there were comments about Alabama – Moving to an up-tempo style of offense with Lane Kiffin. An interesting comment from Coach Saban. Uh, there have been plans to have uh, – they have had plans to have three or four running backs on the field during some plays, a defensive matchup challenge. That's right in alignment with Coach Harvey Hyde's comments to get the best 11 players on the field at any given time. Might this be something USC could implement, and how would that work? That's from Ted. 
Well, I've always said that you've got to have the best players on the field. Then do you any good watching standing next to you when they could be playing a position on the football field, like we've talked about possibly some sets and some offense regarding two running backs at USC. Uh, first of all, I, I can't ever see a, uh, an offense at Alabama if Lane Kiffin is the offensive coordinator being a hurry-up offense. Was, uh, the, to call a play, unless he changes his entire scheme and everything he's ever showed or done, he's not that type of guy. He doesn't have it in his personality. He doesn't have it on his play cards. Uh, He's a he's a, a pro coordinator. You know, he's got to huddle up, go to the line, take about three minutes to describe the play to his players and break the huddle. I used to say that last spring, last fall, you, everybody stood around as he was placing the place, players in the right places and, and telling them what to do on every play. You can't coach football that way. And to him, to coach a hurry-up offense, he hadn't played in it, doesn't know it, he hasn't coached it, and he's going to be your coordinator? Are you kidding me in that type of offense? You hire a guy at that level at USC or Alabama or Ohio State from what they've been successful doing. At least I would. If I was a head football coach, I'd bring somebody in who's the best at what they did, like Chip Kelly when he came in from where, New Hampshire or something to Oregon? He brought that offense in because he was great at what they did back there. So, of course, he was hired there, and it's it's been going ever since. So, you know, you want to – have somebody that has experience and knows what to do and what the adjustments are and how to teach it. So uh, I hardly believe that uh, Alabama's going to run a hurry-up offense. I do believe they could get, you know, a couple of running backs on the field. That's not a hard thing to do as far as, you know, weak sets, strong sets, split backs, I, all different ways of getting two backs on the field. So, uh, uh, I believe they should do that, as USC uh, should have done more of that last year and probably will do some of that this coming year. All right. Uh, thanks for that one. And one last one for you, Coach, before we let you go. Um, this is from Sean in Kentucky. He actually sent in a voicemail question, but it was over two minutes long. So sorry, Sean, we're not, we can't play the whole thing. But I wanted to give you the gist of it. Um, talking about what you, you talked about last week on the podcast about the Northwestern players and going to – uh, trying to unionize and all that. And uh, Sean in Kentucky does not agree with you at all. He could not disagree with you more. He says there should be no need to ever pay back scholarships or stipend that these NCAA players make so much money uh, for the schools and for the coaches, and it's always well worth the scholarship. He mentioned that Kentucky player that hit the three at the end of the game to 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 you know to win in advance of the finals, and it made like three hundred something thousand dollars for the coach. And for the athletic director, they all made a bunch of money from that. The kid doesn't make anything. Um, he says that many players actually come back and go back and get their degree after they leave school. But he, he just wanted to express his opinion that he didn't agree with what you said, and I thought you could uh, comment on that. Well, I don't expect everybody to agree on, on what I say. Everyone's got an opinion, and I respect his opinion. I really do. It's just uh, early to decide uh, or see what, what direction this is all going to go. Uh, I think that, uh, as I mentioned, uh, I think the kids should be uh, given or help more. I do believe that. And uh, But again, you've got to remember you're getting a great education from great universities at the same time. And uh, hitting a three-point shot like that, that's great. As far as uh, some of the rewards to the head coach and to the athletic director, I think sometimes that's foolish. I think these coaches are overpaid. I just uh, wish I was coaching now. <laughs> 
I do. Uh, I mean, it's it's greed. It's more money, and they do have a lot of money now in, in the university levels. They're even talking about now splitting it, uh, having a special, uh, the big five conferences, uh, the big, you know, Pac-10 and all, the Big 12, Big 10, Southeastern Conference, ACC, breaking away from some of the other uh, conferences and, and, and giving stipends, like uh, I saw this morning, $2,000 per player for a stipend for living expenses on top of a scholarship, which can be done. But again, with Title IX, you have to do that for the entire department, too, as far as for all the other sports that you have, which I think are deserving. I mean, I know football and basketball makes all the money, uh, but uh, all the other sports, too, deserve, sports deserve the same rights because they have the same problems as football and basketball have, other athletes. So, uh, you know, the the money is just flowing in. And, and, you know, when you talk about the salaries of coaches and athletic directors, I, I say, wow. I mean, I agree with most of you out there that are listening. I think it's got a little bit out of hand, I mean, to, to make the amount of money that they – they're making it, the, and the kids not being rewarded whatsoever, as far as certain uh, things that they can get. But I think that uh, that it doesn't have to be a union. I think it be, can be some smart people understanding and having some common sense on what kids deserve, and realize that you're making all this money, and, and be able to help these kids at the same time. But again, uh, paying back your scholarships and doing these things. Uh, these are things that may come up if you have a union. And if you have a union, uh, you know, just like the players' union in the NFL, the next thing, how many days you can practice, how much you can hit, uh, what you can do in the off season. Do we want that? Do you really want that? I mean, I'm going to answer. Do you ask you guys, do you really want that where it really becomes a business in college? I don't know. I, I I think the college experience of going and and doing those things are great. You're going to work the rest of your life. What well, you going to start working as soon as you sign a scholarship, or and how are you going to decide who gets the most money? Is a quarterback get more than a tight end or an offensive lineman? Are we going to have different scales of salaries for certain positions? Uh, and all of this, or is it going to be a flat rate for everyone across the country? Or when you go recruiting, are you going to say, well, we'll pay you 100000 a year, and the other school will only give you eighty five? I mean, you've got to start, you know, putting some rules and regulations and understand what you're getting into before everybody says, yeah, we're going to do that. That's, that's my thought on this, Ryan. Yeah, there's so many questions and so many different problems that could, and it's such a big business right now. Um, that you know, it's it's hard. You got to do something, but like you said, if it's going to be a competitive advantage for one school, like they've already talked about this being private schools, that that the Miamis and the USC's and the Northwesterns and any school that's private out there would be able to pay a player, and you know the UCLA's and the Florida States and uh, you know Illinois won't be able to. Like that's a, a competitive advantage in your market, where if a player is deciding between USC and UCLA, and USC could pay you because of this union thing. I mean, I don't, you can't really do that. I mean, it, there's some crazy stuff that could happen here. And, and like you said, which positions get paid more? Do all the sports get paid? It's it's crazy to think of how many different possibilities are out there and how, how, how complicated this issue is. It, it really is. And I've always said way back that I think kids deserve things. And the best way to make somebody move and start to talk about it, <laughs> I don't want to say this, but let's say in the 
championship game. Both teams have gotten together. What if this happens and they decide to strike before kickoff? Both teams don't come on the field with a full house of 100,000 people, national TV audience, and the union decides to strike. Wouldn't that be something? Whoa, that would be. Think about that. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing out these things, okay? Yeah. How do you think that might go over? It's crazy. It's a really complicated problem. This is just the first step or one of the first. We'll see what happens with there. But thanks for the questions, everyone, and thanks for uh, your insights there, Coach. But it's good, great stuff, Coach, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you out there again on uh, on Saturday out at practice. Uh, two more weeks left, so it'll be fun to watch these last couple of weeks. Two more weeks. I'll tell you, I wish, I wish it was in the Coliseum. You know, you can see so much better rather yeah. than standing on ground. Level. And, Brian, do me a favor. Bring me a chair, would you please, the next time you come. <laughs> huh? I'll bring There's not chair. one seat out there. Not one seat. And you stand there for two, two and a half hours. We're in the media. We're supposed to be able to be toughing it out and uh, stand there and, and watch. But, yeah, it would be nice if there were some chairs or something. We could kind of sit down a little bit. That would be great. It would be. It really would be. So, uh I got to remember that next week. Remind me, will you please? All right, yeah, bring it to you. Okay. Uh, well, Coach, you can follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Coach Harvey Hyde. So make sure you check that out. I think we forgot to mention that the last couple of weeks. So at Coach Harvey Hyde, he's a good tweeter out there. He's, he's doing the Twitter thing, so it's good stuff. And uh, we appreciate you coming on, Coach. Thanks again. Hey, Ryan, thank you very much. And for all of you out there, thank you for your opinions. We appreciate it. And thank you for the questions. Have a great week. And uh, we're getting close to Easter. Happy Easter to everyone. Yeah, happy Easter, too. And uh, we're going to be back in uh, about a minute or so with Dan Weber. He's coming on the line to talk about USC spring practice some more. Stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast, joined by uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. What's going on, Dan? How you doing? Oh, uh, not much. Uh, waiting for the uh, final six practices, as all the coaches said. Boy, we're glad we got six more practices to go. <laughs> you know, it was very much, uh, we've done a lot of, you know, done a lot of good stuff, but boy, it's, Really great to still have six more practices to finish up strong. So, yeah, a couple weeks left of uh, USC spring football. We got to see a practice at Howard Jones on Saturday. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but we had some questions to uh, get to Dan, and there was a, a voicemail question here I wanted to play for you and uh, kind of get your thoughts. He has a few a few different questions here. Maybe get your thoughts on uh, what he has to say. Uh, here you go, Dan. This is Alfredo from El Paso, longtime listener. Love the show. My question is, on field goals, is the starting quarterback still going to be the holder, as far as you guys can see? Second question, um, Xavier Grimble ran very poorly um, on his 40 time and other numbers. Question, why did he come out, or why wasn't he more ready for, for the combine? Or was he just never really that fast? And last question, do you think that 
um, during the Fresno State game, USC will show its full offense or will save some things for the Stanford game being the second game of the season. Thank you. Fight on. Uh, no quarterbacks doing the holding. Uh, no uh, regular quarterbacks. Uh, I think they learned their lesson. Uh, Sark wasn't here, but I think he probably read it in the papers how uh, uh, Max Wittick got rolled up on uh, in uh, last spring. Actually, he got a knee injury that kind of took him out of spring, put him behind, and never got back in the in the mix really. Uh, so uh, looks like Anthony Nyer uh, will be the uh, the first holder, and it might be. I was I was talking to. Um, uh, I, I'm thinking they may go with uh, with Chris Alvarado, uh, the punter, who's with those guys all the time, and you know when they go work together and what have you. So he may be the um, he may be the backup holder. But anyway, that's uh, that's kind of the direction they're going uh, uh, for uh, extra points. They're not doing all the you know faking uh, stuff and acting like they might run it and throw it, whatever. <laughs> uh, in terms of uh, 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 Grimble's coming out. I don't. I really don't quite understand that one, uh, unless it. It would seem to be maybe more of a personal family kind of a decision, and not necessarily a football decision. I mean, he he loved being at USC. Loved being part of the program. Uh, you know, loved uh, you know, being in college, and uh, and probably is kind of a tweener. He tried to go up uh, and uh, got his weight up to 265, which slowed him down. He ran better when he was actually at the combine than he did at pro day. Uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm afraid he may you know that may not work out all that terribly well for him. And yet, if you make a roster, you get a chance to prove yourself over a few years, and you know get a second contract. You know you're still doing better than you know as good a, as good a prospect as kids have coming out of USC. As a regular student, you know he'll chances are do uh, do a good bit better than that. But and we wish him well. Really nice kid. Uh, and then uh, let's see uh, for the Fresno State game. I think they're not going to outthink themselves. They're just going to run their offense and uh, and see what happens uh, and see you know in terms of the matchups uh, because Sark is such a big matchup guy. Uh, they probably wouldn't run the same stuff at Stanford as Fresno State anyway. I mean, they'll run their stuff, but it'll be done in a way and with an emphasis as to who you're playing. So when you're playing Stanford, it's obvious you're going to approach it differently from uh, from Fresno State. So I don't know that they'll you know, really try to hide anything or try to outsmart themselves. I just think uh, it'll kind of naturally uh, – not lead in the threat what they do at Fresno State will not necessarily lead into what they're doing at uh, uh, for the Stanford game. All right, uh, thanks for that, Alfred and uh, El Paso. Uh, we had another voicemail question from Chris and San Pedro, but it was about three minutes long. And like I said, we just can't play him when they're that long, so you got to keep him under a minute. But he is certainly not happy with the four thousand dollar per seat uh, questionnaire, I guess, that was sent out by USC. He says him and his family's had season tickets since World War II. Uh, everyone in their his whole family is an alumni. Their kids are going to school at, at SC now. I mean, it's just a huge USC family. And he says he finds it offensive. And he doesn't, actually doesn't think the Coliseum needs major upgrades. He's gone to other places, and he doesn't see what the what the big deal is. He'd rather have that money put towards recruiting and things like that. And uh, he said if 
know, his whole family, like I said, big USC alumni, and they'd be watching on TV if they end up doing this. He's not going to be going to the games. And he said he won't even subscribe to the podcast anymore. So he really does not like this. He wouldn't even subscribe to us. We don't have anything to do with this, Chris. But uh, he wanted to get okay. your thoughts on that, Dave. <laughs> okay. They've gone too far then if they've uh, if they've uh, caused us to lose uh, podcast listeners. Uh, <laughs> that's it. They've crossed the line. Uh, anyway. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that it was handled perfectly in terms of the way it was introduced. I think it made the survey made it sound like this is the way we're going, and uh, it, it kind of made it look like what happens at the Coliseum is going to be on the backs of the you know, loyal fans and ticket holders and what have you. And USC's got an interesting problem, I think. You know, you do you want sixty thousand people there? With uh, you know four thousand dollar you know a seat license, or do you want you know ninety thousand there? Uh, you know, continue it kind of the way it is now, and that that would be, you know, that would probably be uh, many people's call uh, to do it that way, or to figure out another way to, you know, to finance this and underwrite it and 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 not put it you know uh, all on the backs of the uh, of the loyal you know, USC fans over the years and uh, alumni and all of that. So I think this will work its way out. I don't think it was as cut and dried as, as, as you could read into that survey. And I hope uh, I hope uh, you responded, and I hope you told them exactly what you think. They need to hear that. And, uh, you know, they, this is a kind of a tough time, I think, for USC athletics. Uh, the uh, Pac-12 isn't you know, providing the dollars that I think everybody thought might be coming fairly quickly. USC, because of, you know, the NCAA stuff and all that, has certainly been damaged uh, in terms of the brand, in terms of the possible, you know, big telecast money and all of that kind of thing, which they are sharing with uh, everybody in the Pac-12 at this point. And, uh, and so they're probably not in as good a financial, you know, situation as, as you would have hoped them to be at this time when they have to take on the Coliseum. And obviously uh, they were left by the Coliseum Commission with, uh, you know, with promises that they were going to put in $70 million, And it turns out that's going to be up to USC to put in the $70 million. And uh, so, uh, so and, you know, they're still uh, working on paying off uh, Galen and, and McKay. And so... Uh, they're looking for dollars, but uh, but I don't know that they're going to find them exclusively uh, from uh, from ticket holders and donors. And uh, we'll see how this works out. I wouldn't be overly negative right now, even though I would I would suggest you express your feelings. Well, hopefully he did. Hopefully he did, Chris. And uh, we definitely don't want to lose you as a podcast listener. So hopefully USC doesn't do that and make you pay four grand. Uh, per ticket. But there'll be more and stuff coming up with that as well. Dad's wrote a lot of stuff on uscfootball.com. You can check that stuff out there. Um, let's move to the team a little bit, Dan. And uh, Andrew I had this question. I think this actually came in uh, right late for the podcast last week after he saw the uh, spring practice that was in the Coliseum uh, the previous Saturday. But he said, Scott Starr looks really huge out there, but why is he wearing two knee braces? So I don't know if you know anything about that, Dan. You know, he does look like an offensive lineman uh, when, <laughs> when you said And that's a good question. I, I want to ask. I, 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 I notice it. He looks like one of those old-time 
you know, linebacker guys, you know, uh, he's playing a, you know, stand up, uh, defensive end there. And, uh, I guess, uh, you do have yourself exposed a little bit at the knees. Uh, if you're standing up in that line of scrimmage, uh, you don't have your hand on the ground. And, uh, so, uh, Huh, that's a good that's a good observation and uh sometimes you see the, you know the guys and you don't it doesn't register that uh, that's uh, that's a little bit of a different look. I will check. Good question. And he does look he looks bigger out there. He's he's working out with the defensive lineman, you know, in kind of that that rush end position, I guess you could say, but he it looks like he's put on a little bit of weight. Yeah, I think he I think he told me the last time oh, I'm trying to think 240 something, 245 something like that. Uh, he's not the 220 that he's listed on the roster. Okay. Uh, let's just say that. <laughs> and Dad loves to point out that the roster is not accurate a lot of the time. So uh, it's which for we, a we long time. <laughs> Those numbers that were you know weren't weren't up to date last spring are still not some of them up to date. <laughs> Poor Cody oh, Kessler, I think, is like 5'11 on the roster, and then he's you know he's six two or something in in real life. Yeah. So it's uh. <laughs> He's it's not a little, bit of, a pet, we, little yeah. bit of a pet peeve because you, you do see that, you know, like I get releases from uh, Utah, for example, and they've already updated their uh, uh, second week spring practice uh, heights and weights from their first week spring practice heights and weights. And I'm like, gee, it can be done. <laughs> and USC has fewer players to do it, so it should be easier. I would think. I would think. <laughs> I mean, we, that is one of the standard things we do. How much, you know, first question, how much do you weigh now? You know, that's just, how tall are you? Yeah, I don't know. I wish we didn't always have to ask him that. Okay. Uh, all right, well, well, we'll leave that one, let it be for a while. But uh, Tark had a question. It seems that Chris Hawkins be receiving a lot of, uh, quite a bit of praise lately from the coaches in the spring. If he plays up his, up to his potential, do you think that Josh Shaw might move back to safety? Yeah, I, I think there's uh, I think a lot of things are possible in that secondary. There's a lot of bodies, many of them who aren't here right now. Uh, that's one of the great things for Chris. He's getting a tremendous, you know, opportunity uh, with all the plays they're running, and with you know, essentially three cornerbacks alternating, and you're you know you're playing against uh, the likes of uh, you know Nelson Aguilar. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a great baptism, uh, you know, for Chris. And, uh, I think it's, it's really been a good thing and giving him a chance to, to make plays and, and show what he can do. Uh, but there are going to be a lot of bodies, uh, you know, with the new freshmen, with the three or four guys that are healing up, uh, and with the ability to move people around in that secondary. So, uh, so I think it can be kind of a fluid situation, but it's been a good one for, for Chris at this point. Uh, he's really gotten a chance to, to show what he can do. Uh, yeah, he looked good the other day in practice. We got some footage of him going through some of the uh, special teams drills and protection drills, and he, I, he, he did well at both sides, protecting and uh, trying to get downfield. So he looked good. He's been looking good out there. So he's making plays, and uh, we'll see what happens with uh, Mr. Hawkins. Um, Melvin had a question, Dan. He said, first, uh, great podcast last week. Thank you very much, Melvin. Uh, he said, I heard that Antoine Woods has had a great spring so far. What do you think about Simmons, Townsend, Bigelow, and Palon? How are those guys doing? Uh, Simmons is, uh, is a load. He's impressive. He's, uh, I thought he had a good fall here as a redshirt and uh, transfer from Texas Tech. And, 
it had kind of a you know a spotty uh he was a you know highly ranked recruit coming out of western pennsylvania and ended up kind of oddly at texas tech and and had some moments but wasn't obvious uh you know what you were getting i thought he practiced really hard in the fall uh, played on the scout team made life difficult for the uh the offense and then uh he picked up you know right up where he's left off you know and he's you know he says he's six five he almost looks taller than that 300 pounds uh runs really well uh he's disruptive and uh uh with his hands up he makes it tough to throw the ball uh, so um he he's been special. Antoine Woods is playing at 315. He doesn't look like he's 315 the way he's running. It's obvious uh, he's really worked on his running, his conditioning, and it, and he's a leader now. I mean, when you talk to the coaches, they talk about how much leadership he's showing. And then you get Big Leonard Williams, you know, back with that group, and uh, and Claude Pilon, I thought, has had a, a noticeable improvement. Uh, let's say after the first couple of weeks, I think he's, uh, I think he's really figured out uh, what it takes and physically what it takes. And I think the coaches have been, um, you know, pretty positive and uh, coach Wilson uh, in terms of uh, bringing Claude on. And uh, he talks about him being really strong at the point of attack with his size and athleticism. So, uh, so I think, you know, you start with that group and then you see what happens with, uh, with uh, Cody Temple, who does seem to be getting better, whether his, you know, feet and ankles will ever hold up. He's got such a strong, big, you know, and fairly explosive body. We'll see. But uh, uh, and Kenny Bigelow, whether he, um, you know, how long it takes him to get his, uh, you know, he's got this great strength. Uh, I do think flexibility and maybe stiffness is, is kind of an issue with him in terms of, disengaging and getting to the point of attack but uh but but i think he's got a chance and you know he's certainly he's one of those guys you want him coming off the bus first or so he just looks like uh he should be playing in the nfl if he walks by you in uniform i mean he's just and uh nobody flips those big tires better than better than uh than kenny does so he got some things going for him but he's he's he got you know got some work to do and then i guess he said greg Townsend, we saw him in pads Saturday for a while. First time we'd seen him in pads, so he's working his way back gradually. But uh, but they've got the potential. I know every one of the coaches you talk to talks about the rotation, the rotation, the rotation, uh, offensive and defensive lines especially. And uh, I think there will be a a focus on uh, if you're ready to play, you're going to get in the game this time because there are going to be enough plays that uh, that. We're going to need a lot of bodies. So there is an opportunity for all those guys. All right. Let's see. We're going to move on to uh, Ted in Manhattan Beach, South Bay guy. Hi, Ted. Um, so he had a couple questions on talking about the uh, offense and taking all the snaps uh, from shotgun as opposed to being under center. And uh, he, the first part of the question, he said, Dan mentions that the USC line might not be big enough. Uh, to go, quote-unquote, big enough to go under center. As we get back to 85 scholarships, do you think the new Coach Sarkeesian offense will allow for occasional snaps under center with the right offensive linemen? You know, I'm not sure if that's something you have to just do it all the time. Uh, and I think they're probably going to get away from it. And I think they, 
and, and probably rightly so. I mean, when people talk about pro offense, how many pro quarterbacks, you know, get up under the center anymore? I mean, where does, uh, you know, uh, anybody you look at, you know, where where is Peyton? Where is, uh, you know, I mean, you just look at the list of all the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now, they're all in the shotgun. I mean, there's a reason for that. Uh, you know, maybe Alabama. We'll see what happens at Alabama and what happens at Stanford. But uh, but now I think it's the way to go. I mean, I know it does give you some you know challenges if you got third and inches, fourth and inches. You're you know inside the two yard line. You are snapping the ball back. And I know I'm talking to Marcus Allen about that, and he was saying he just hates to give up those yards. Um, but but I I think you probably aren't going to see it come back uh, much. I mean, they're just – just the thought of last year, if you remember, if there was one mistake on a on a blocking assignment, one uh, stunt that they weren't expecting or whatever, and you had the poor quarterback with his back turned, you know, two steps back and, and getting clobbered or, or, you know, about the only way you saw people really shut down Buck Allen or Trey Madden was when they, uh, when they were able to get them in the backfield before they got started. And if they could get them to the edge – get them a scene, they were uh, they were really difficult to, to bring down. And I think what you'll see is by starting them deeper and starting them and giving them the ability to uh, to see where you know where the defense is and where where the seams are, where the blocking is. I mean, you could have guys that say, okay, I'm going to try to beat Zach Banner with some kind of an inside rush. Uh, so you do that at this point. By the time you run around Zach Banner. Uh, Buck Allen has time to run to the other side of Zach Banner. I mean, basically, you're asking guys like Zach Banner to to run moving picks on on a lot of these plays, and uh, I think that suits the um, suits the players they've got. I mean, they've got. I used to remember you'd, you'd see Oregon would come in with you know guys that weren't necessarily the most physical offensive line. But they'd have some, you know, tall guys and guys that would get in your way and run down, you know, and screen out and do all that. And you look at this USC line, and they got a lot of big, tall guys with pretty good feet. And uh, I think the scheme just fits right now for what they've got. And I'm not sure, you know, they go back, uh, whether anybody's going to have the kind of linemen USC used to have and the advantage that USC used to have up front with those, you know, big, tremendous athletes that they, that they had and a lot of people didn't. Uh, I'm not sure that, that that ever happens quite that same way again. And he had a follow-up, Dan, just at, at, you know, I guess the second part to it. By removing the quarterback from center, does this remove some of the NFL preparation factor that USC has talked about in the past? Well, I mean, I just think if you look, we were saying about the NFL – who gets under center? I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of, of all the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Does anybody get under center now? Um, if you go with the new guys, you know, the Russell Wilsons and the RG3s, they're not under center, the Kaepernicks uh, and, the, you know, the Mannings and uh, Brady and, uh, you know, Drew, uh, Drew Brees. None of them are under center. So I think that was the old way of, getting you ready for the NFL. You know, Joe Namath was under center. You know, uh, Otto Graham was under center. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
you know, Johnny Unitas was under center. But I don't think that's what they're doing today. I, I watch a lot of NFL football, and I don't, you don't see that many guys under center, do you? I don't. I, don't I mean, occasionally so. they're under center sometimes, and I think that's what they want. To, they want quarterbacks to be able to do it, but they're not exclusively or, or mostly under center. I don't think anymore. Right, and, and I, yeah, I could see them occasionally doing that, and that makes some sense. Although I, I would say, if they go to an alternate look, uh, besides going to the pistol and lining up the, you know, the running back behind the quarterback, I think the alternate look is going to be a direct snap to uh, Trey or Buck. To be honest, a quick direct snap and, and hit it up in there uh, will be, I think. So not necessarily looking for the quarterback to spend a lot of time under center, especially if the center is Max Turk yeah. and the quarterback doesn't really know where to stand because of Max's uh, extremely long arms that, that make uh, that exchange uh, a little iffy. Uh, all right. Well, let's see. Mark had an interesting comment question. He said uh... – Dan, in all caps, I am not a fan of Larry Scott. But if you recall previous articles in the War Room, you mentioned that the Big Ten funded deficits for several years prior to turning uh, to profitability. So if the Pac-12 network is turning a profit in one year, kudos to them. Uh, Still hate it. That's uh, Mark. I wanted to get your comments on that. Yeah, I agree. And and I think the uh, Big Ten made it to profitability in the second year. But – uh, I agree. I think we were all stunned. You know, we don't have absolute access to the books, but that's the number that's coming out is that they were profitable to the tune of $800,000 per uh, per school, uh, which seems a little shocking. I think they've done a good job with the network, honestly. I mean, I think especially, uh, you know, the, the football stuff, the, the where they do, a you know, a, a game in 60 minutes and, uh, that replay every week, and then uh, Neuheisel was so good at what he does. Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not that displeased. Other than the, the whole Directv, uh, you know, fiasco where Directv is the largest, uh, you know, cable supplier in, uh, or I guess its largest uh, customer base is in Southern California, and to miss that, uh, and to, you know, misfigure on. Uh, on those negotiations is not was not a good thing, and I'm probably not a, a giant fan of the fact that you know the world's communication center is in Southern California and they located you know the Pac-12 networks in Northern California. Uh, I think uh, they would have had access to more more talent and more opportunities had they put it in Southern California. But uh, but again. We would probably agree to disagree on that with uh, with Commissioner Scott. And then one last one from Kevin in South Orange County. Uh, any thoughts from uh, on how the offensive line is shaping up after Saturday's practice? Uh, any clear differences you could tell, and what's your feeling on Rogers at guard? Well, I mean, I think that uh, talking to Khalil, I asked him how much is he still, you know hurt by the fact that their high school team only played four games his senior year. And so then he comes in and redshirts last year. So he had had a lot of game at his four games in the last two years. He said he thought more the adjustment for him was the physical part of it. He just wasn't in good enough shape uh, last year to really, and that that held him back. And that, you know, now that he feels like he's really in shape and, and tough enough, uh, <clears throat> he, um, 
he's going to be able to come. He certainly looks like he's he's competing out there. He looks like a, you know he's a tough kid. He's the only he's like the the midget. You know the other guys all are you know taller taller over him, but he's uh, he's a uh, and he's uh, only about 300 pounds. I thought he was uh, still at 315 or so, and he said no, he's down to 300, and he's that's a good weight for him, and he's very uh, he's very upbeat about how things are going. So uh, I think the fact that there's not going to be quite the the level of tremendous complexity, which you had to work out in the in the film room for yourself. I mean, I think their ideal candidate over the previous few years was sort of a a college Holmes, who was you know such a smart kid and could figure out the playbook and figure out the and, and learn by you know film and the playbook and whatever. And a lot of these kids, I think, learn much better by doing it, by learning it on the field, by repetition, and that's what's happening this year. And the hope that you you have for this year, if you're a USC fan, is that doing all these reps, all the reps they never did get in previous years, is going to change the uh, you know the offensive line ability to to do what they do. I mean, they were great you know three years ago. They didn't have to run a lot of stuff. They had uh, you know Matt Khalil and uh, and Red Ellison as an H back, and they got those two to the point of attack and game over. And uh, once they figure that out, and that's what you hope now is that they're going to get enough bodies to the point of attack quickly, and they're going to keep their pad level low. I like it that the coaches at every single practice, every single day, they're talking pad level, pad level, pad level to these kids. And with as many big, tall kids as they've got and as young, many young kids as they've got and kids who still aren't as strong as they're going to need to be, uh, that's a key keeping their pad level down, getting in the way, and engaging people, just not missing. I think they've got a, a, a much better chance to do that, and I think Khalil you know, uh, is a good example of somebody who has a chance to do that. But he's got to do it, and, and we'll see how this, how this goes. We don't get one of the downsides. Of, we're, we're limited to one side of the practice field, and the offensive linemen practice in the absolute farthest corner right. <laughs> away from us. So. We don't get to see as much of that, uh, you know, the one-on-one stuff up close uh, as we'd like to. But uh, but he certainly seems to be holding his own. And uh, that's all you can ask, I think, right now. All right, Dan. Well, thanks again for uh, joining the show. And uh, we got a lot of questions in today. That was great. So everyone yeah, else. great. Yeah, thanks for sending in those questions. And uh, good stuff. We'll see you out there. On Tuesday, week, I guess it's week five of spring practice, week yeah. five of six. How wow. about that? Yeah, crazy. All right, well, thanks again, Dan. Okay, thanks, Ryan. And everyone else, thank you very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We bring it to you each and every week here as part of uscfootball.com. So thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.